and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Hello, I'm Pat Malone, and I'd like to welcome you to The Church in the Home, where we share the light of God's Word from our home to you. I know the truth of God's Word, and I believe what I heard, yeah, yeah. I believe what I heard. I believe what I heard, so I'm standing on the Word of God. Take your Bibles and go to 1 Samuel chapter 18. Where we last left off in the life of David, he had just defeated Goliath. Um, This very famous event in his life and this very incredible accomplishment. And we saw from the Word of God that the reason why he was able to defeat Goliath was because he came in the name of the living God. Goliath came with his spear and his sword and his armor and his shield, and Goliath was this huge, huge man, but David came with the power of God, and that's what made all the difference. Well, in chapter 18... This picks up right on the heels of that event. And it came to pass, when he had made an end of speaking unto Saul, that the son of Jonathan was knit with the son of David, with the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. The friendship between David and Jonathan is one of the um, perhaps greatest examples of friendship in the Word of God. There's much to be learned from it, and you could study this, and there's an article written specifically on this friendship of David and Jonathan's. But David and Jonathan had this wonderful, wonderful friendship. You know, friends is a term that has become really degraded in our society as of late. Uh, I have hundreds of friends on Facebook that I've never met. Um, and that's not unusual for people. Uh, maybe, you know, not everybody has that way, but there are people who have friend requested me because they know that I stand on God's Word, and they also have a love for God and His Word, and, and that's the reason why I have all these friends that I don't actually know, and I can tell from our mutual friends that that's why they had requested me. And that's great, that's wonderful, but I wish Facebook called it something other than friends, frankly, because friends had a different meaning that's getting lost here. Friends, a friendship, you're friends with somebody that you had certain common interests and more than one with. People that, you know, your personalities meshed in a certain way. People that you knew intimately and cared about, and they knew you intimately, and that's how you became friends. It required time spent together and doing things together, and a lot that goes into friendship. And friendship is a very wonderful thing. And if you've ever had a really close friend, you know how special, how valuable it is. David had a best friend. A friend that he loved has his own soul. That he loved just greater than himself even, greater than anyone. There was just this incredible friendship between them. Verse 2. And Saul took him that day, that day of right after Goliath, 
and would let him no more go home to his father's house. Before that time, he did. We saw that. He had been in the court of Saul. He had played the harp for him. He had played his music, sang his songs to help quiet Saul down when, when he was bothered by this evil spirit. But he also then returned to his father's house to keep the sheep. But now Saul is not letting him go home. He wants him to stay there. Then Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was upon him and gave it to David and his garments. We have the expression, give the fellow the shirt off your back. Well, that's what Jonathan did with David. He, he gave him all these things as a sign of how important he was to him, how greatly he valued his friendship. He gave him even his sword and his bow and his girdle. That's the, the strip of cloth that bound the robe together. And David went out whithersoever Saul sent him and behaved himself wisely. And Saul sent him over the men of war, and he was accepted in the sight of all the people and also in the sight of Saul's servants. David becomes a man of real status, of real importance, of prominence in the kingdom. He's no longer just there in the court playing those songs, although that certainly was, you know, it's hard to say just in, in connection with that, but he had other responsibilities, and it was only logical after defeating that great champion Goliath that he would be put into the army and that he would take on a position of leading. Verse 6, And it came to pass, as they came, when David was returned from the slaughter of the Philistines, that the women came out of all the cities in Israel, singing and dancing to meet King Saul, with tabrets, with joy, and with instruments of music. And the woman answered one another as they played, and said, Saul hath slain his thousands, and David his ten thousands. Saul slain his thousands. Boy, that's impressive. But David, David has slain his tens of thousands. That's what they were singing. I bet that was not on any of Saul's playlists. I bet that was not a song he really enjoyed hearing. Verse 8. And Saul was very wroth. He was mad when he heard this. He was very mad. And the saying displeased him. And he said, they have ascribed to David ten thousands, and to me they have ascribed but thousands. And what can he have more but the kingdom? He said, there they are, they're comparing me to, to David, and they're saying he's slain ten guys for every one that I have. And what else can he have but the kingdom itself? What else can he have but the kingdom itself that he would be given that? Saul becomes very jealous. He becomes very jealous. Verse 9 says, And Saul eyed David from that day forward. He eyed him, you know. He said, I'm watching you, boy. I'm watching you, you know. I'm going to be watching you, and you make any mistakes, boy, I'll, I'll have you. I'll have your head. Why? Because David had done anything to deserve that kind of suspicion or mistreatment? No. no. David had been faithful in everything that he did. David had only done that which was right. But Saul becomes jealous. He has this jealous rivalry that enters into him. 
And boy, that is so destructive. That kind of envy, that kind of jealousy, it's the same kind of thing that caused Joseph's brothers to sell him into slavery. That kind of jealousy that Saul had for him causes Saul to just lose his mind, to just lose his mind. And in no time at all, he's doing things that are just, I'm sure would have been unimaginable to him a short time before this. Verse 10, And it came to pass on the morrow that the evil spirit from God came upon Saul, and he prophesied in the midst of the house. And David played with his hand at other times, and there was a javelin in Saul's hand. It says that an evil spirit from God came upon Saul. It's only from God and that God was the one that originally created all the spirits and then he gave them free will and one-third of them under, the, under Lucifer became evil spirits. They became what we refer to as devil spirits. And that's the kind of spirit that Saul has. He has an evil spirit and it says and that spirit came on him, not the spirit of God because he's lost that, right? He's lost the spirit of God, but with this evil spirit, he's prophesying. You see, prophecy, prophesying can be counterfeited. And this prophesying that he's doing, you can bet you it wasn't words of edification. You can bet he wasn't speaking words that were encouraging and comforting. It's not that kind of prophesying. Whatever he's saying is such a turning point that now he crosses another line, and you'll see what that line is in a second here. Verse 11, And Saul cast the javelin, for he said, I will smite David even to the wall with it. This spirit that comes in him, the, whatever the prophecy is, it pushes Saul to the point where he tries to kill David with this javelin. He throws this javelin at him to try to kill him. And David avoided out of his presence twice. Twice David's got to dodge javelins. And Saul was afraid of David. Isn't that interesting? Who's trying to kill whom here, right? It's Saul trying to kill David, but it's not, it doesn't say David was afraid of Saul. It says Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him and was departed from Saul. Saul knows that he doesn't have God on his side anymore, and he knows that David did. He knew that, boy, I'm a better spear thrower, I'm a better javelin thrower than that, that I would have missed him. It had to be God that kept him safe. Therefore, Saul removed him from him and made him his captain over a thousand, and he went out and came in before the people. Well, that seems like a nice thing, right? He, Seems like he promoted him, made him captain over a thousand. And I'm sure that's the way that David took it, but that's not the intent that Saul has here. You'll see. And David behaved himself wisely in all his ways, and the Lord was with him. God is with him, and that Spirit of God is upon David, and David walks with that wisdom, with that word of wisdom in many situations where God tells him exactly what to do. That's how God keeps David safe. He keeps him safe because that Spirit of God is on him, and he tells David, look out, he's going to throw something at you. Go over here, the enemy's over there, do this. 
and David follows that, and David is just victorious. Verse 15, Wherefore, when Saul saw that he behaved himself very wisely, he was afraid of them. <laughs> no reason to be afraid except that Saul knows that he's on the wrong side of the fence here. But all Israel, verse 16, and Judah loved David because he went out and came in before them. They loved David because he was the kind of leader that led from the front. He wasn't sitting back in the, in, you know, the palace, in the castle, like Saul, saying, okay, go out there and fight the enemy. David was going in in front of them. When they went out for battle, he was leading the troops. And when they came back, he was with them. Verse 17, And Saul said to David, Behold, my elder daughter Merab, her will I give thee to wife. Only be thou valiant for me and fight the Lord's battle. Again, it seems like he's doing a nice thing here, doesn't it? But now we see his real motivation. For Saul said, Let not mine hand be upon him, but let the hand of the Philistines be upon him. There's his motivation. He figures, you know, I can't get away with killing him. If the people find out about it, they love David, and, and they're not going to take kindly to this. But if I put him out in battle often enough, you know, we get him out there often enough, you know, sooner or later, they've got to get him. Sooner or later, the enemy's got to get him. He's right there in battle after battle. Sooner or later, he's going to die. And that's his plan. And David said unto Saul, Who am I, and what is my life for my father's family in Israel, that I should have a son, be son-in-law to the king? Look at the difference in their hearts here. You know, here's... Saul has mean and cruel and manipulative as any person can be. And David, what you see is what you get. He's innocent, he's pure, he's genuine, and he only thinks the best. Mm -hmm. But it came to pass at the time when Mirab, Saul's daughter, should have been given to David, that she was given unto Adriel, the Mahalathite, to wife. So, when it's about time, Saul instead decides he's going to give her to somebody else for some reason. And Michael, Saul's daughter, loved David, and they told Saul, and the thing pleased him. And Saul said, I will give him her, that she may be a snare to him. <laughs> said, I'm going to give him her. She's, she's just going to cause him trouble, so I'll give him her. And that the hand of the Philistines may be against him. Wherefore, Saul said to David, Thou shalt this day be my son-in-law in the one of the twain. Okay, you're going to be my son-in-law, you'll be right, part of my family, you know. Makes him think that everything's wonderful. Makes him, trying to throw him off the scent that he has anything to worry about from Saul. Verse 22. And Saul commanded his servants, saying, Commune with David secretly, and say, Behold, the king hath delighted thee, and all his servants love thee. Now, therefore, be the king's son-in-law. Tell him to go ahead and do it. Tell him I love him. Tell him this is all just a, you know, a, a great thing. And Saul's servants spake those words in the ears of David. And David said, Seemeth it to you a light thing to be a king's son-in-law? Seeing that I am a poor man and lightly esteemed? Do you think this is 
no big deal? Do you think this is no big deal? I'm a poor man, and you know I'm not anybody important. What do I have to offer? How can I at all be worthy of this? How can I at all present a decent dowry to the king? I don't want to offend the king. I don't want to do something that, that would be wrong. This is not just some light thing. Verse 24, And the servants of Saul told him, saying, On this manner spake David. This is what David told us. And Saul said, Thus shall you say to David, The king desireth not any dowry. You don't have to come up with a bunch of money. But a hundred foreskins of the Philistines to be avenged of the king's enemies. <laughs> I, I, I'm betting they weren't willing to give those up willingly. Okay, I bet that he couldn't just say, Okay, I'm trying to get my dowry together, guys. And here's what I need. Not going to work that way, is it? He wanted a hundred foreskins of the Philistines. There's more than one joke in there, but I won't touch it. But Saul thought, thought to make David fall by the hand of the Philistines. That's his plan here. So he's going to have to kill a hundred guys to get this. And if he tries to kill a hundred guys, surely he's going to end up being the one that's dead. Verse 26, and when his servants told David these words, he was so worried and upset about it and said, what am I going to do now? No. It pleased David well to be the king's son-in-law. He thought, no problem, no problem. And the days were not expired. The time was not up. Wherefore, David arose and went, he and his men, and slew of the Philistines 200 men. Wow. He wants 100, I'll get him 200. And David brought their foreskins, and they gave them in the full tale of the, to the king, that he might be the king's son-in-law. And Saul gave him Michael, his daughter, to wife. And Saul saw and knew that the Lord was with David, and that Michael, Saul's daughter, loved him. And Saul was yet the more afraid of David, and Saul became David's enemy continually." Saul became David's enemy continually. He continually regarded him as his enemy and went after him. Then the princes of the Philistines went forth, and it came to pass after they went forth that David behaved himself more wisely than all the servants of Saul, so that his name was much set by. He's really, his reputation is growing here. His reputation is growing because of his, the, uh, what a great leader he is. Chapter 19. And Saul spake to Jonathan his son, and to all his servants, that they should kill David. Now Saul's like, okay, this isn't happening by the hand of the Philistines. I've got to take a more direct hand, whether I risk things or not. I won't let his, hand, his blood be on my hands, though. I'll tell my son, Jonathan, and all the servants, that they should kill David. But Jonathan's son... But Jonathan, Saul's son, delighted much in David. And Jonathan told David, saying, Saul, my father, seeketh to kill thee. Now, therefore, I pray thee, take heed to thyself until the morning, and hide in a secret place, and abide in a secret place, and hide thyself. You've got to get out of Dodge here. You've got to find some place and hide, because at least till tomorrow, because tonight he's going to have everybody out looking for you to kill you. Verse 3, 
And I will go out and stand by side, beside my father in the field where thou art, and I will commune with my father of thee, and what I see, that will I tell thee. He said, we'll go out in the field, and whatever I, I'm going to talk to him, see if I can do something to change his mind, and I'll let you know how it goes. And Jonathan spake good of David unto Saul his father, and said unto him, Let not the king sin against his servant, against David, because he hath not sinned against thee, and because his works have been to thee were very good. He reasons with them and says, you've got no reason to be after him. He's never done you any harm. He's never done you any wrong. You know, there's no reason whatsoever. All he's ever done you is good. For he did put his life in his hand and slew the Philistine. Remember that? Remember he killed Goliath for you. And the Lord wrought a great salvation for all Israel. Thou sawest it and did rejoice. Wherefore then will thou sin against innocent blood to slay David without a cause? He just reminds Saul. He reminds Saul of things that he knows. But boy, Saul has become so blinded by this jealousy, by this paranoia, by this rivalry that somehow David's going to get the kingdom from him that he's forgotten all of that. He's not thinking about any of that stuff. All he can think about is David's a threat to me. David's a threat to me. Although David was not a threat to him. Well, Jonathan gets through to him. Verse 6. And Saul hearkened unto the voice of Jonathan, and Saul sware, as the Lord liveth, he shall not be slain. He gets through to him. And this is the first of many times, a number of times at any rate, where somebody, on more than one occasion, David, gets through to Saul and, and brings him back to his right mind. And that happens. That happens. You know, here's Saul, he's got the spirit, and it's caused him to do things, but every once in a while somebody can turn it around. Every once in a while somebody can, can just remind him of what he knows and what is right, and it brings him back to his right mind. And here, Saul's in his right mind. He says, yeah, you're right. And as the Lord lives, he won't be killed. Verse 8. And there was war again. Now, we're reading this, and you have to recognize the fact that although we're reading this within less than a half hour's time, it doesn't mean that a hell and a half hour has transpired here. There's time passing. There's time passing. From the time that David first comes, at, from the time of David killing Goliath and coming into the court and serving in the army and all these other events, there is time that is transpiring. And I don't know how much time that is, whether it was days or weeks or months or years, but there's definitely some time that's transpiring between these events. So there's war, and David went out and fought with the Philistines and slew them with a great slaughter, and they fled from him. And the evil spear from the Lord was upon Saul as he sat in his house with his javelin in his hand, and David played with his hand. David's playing the harp. There's Saul just sitting there with that javelin, but again he knows that David is winning victories, defeating the enemy, and his reputation is getting bigger and bigger in the eyes of Israel. And Saul, verse 10, sought to smite David even to the wall with the javelin, but he slipped away out of Saul's presence 
and he smote the javelin into the wall, and David fled and escaped that night. And Saul also sent messengers unto David's house to watch him and to slay him in the morning. So when he can't get him in the castle, you know, in his, in his home there, he now says, okay, go to David's house and find him there and kill him there. And Michael, David's wife, told him, saying, If thou save not thy life tonight, tomorrow thou shalt be slain. If you don't get out of here tonight, tomorrow you're, by tomorrow you're a dead man. So Michael let David down through a window, and he went and fled and escaped. He has to go out the window. They tie the bed sheets together, you know, and he goes out the window there. And Michael took an image and laid it in the bed and put a pillow of goat's hair for his bolster and covered it with the cloth. And when Saul sent messengers to take David, she said, he is sick. Now, I know you've seen this in lots of movies and, and, and TV shows, but this is where they got it from, okay? This is the first time that it's written that somebody came up with this. Um, and, you know, it, you see when you keep reading, it doesn't work out much better than it does in the movies anyway. He does manage to get out, but he doesn't fool anybody. Verse 17. And when Saul, and Saul said unto Michael, Why hast thou deceived me so? And sent away mine enemy that he is escaped. He, he finds out, he discovers, they discover that David's not really in that bed, and that's not really David. And he says to, to his daughter, Why'd you do this to me? Why did you side with my enemy? Nobody regards him as, as his enemy except Saul here. And Michael answered Saul. He said unto me, let me go. Why should I kill thee? <laughs> he said, if you don't let me go, I'm going to kill you. So she's covering her butt by saying that David threatened her life. So David fled and escaped and came to Samuel to Ramah. And that's the prophet, the, the judge. And told him all that, Sam, that Saul had done unto him. And he and Samuel went and dwelt in Naoth. And it was told Saul, saying, Behold, David is at Naoth in Ramah. And Saul sent messengers to take David. And when they saw the company of the prophets prophesying, and Samuel standing as appointed over them, the Spirit of God was upon the messengers of Saul, and they also prophesied. So <clears throat> we'll stop there. But <clears throat> this, is, this is the whole... This is the, this whole business of Saul trying to kill David, and, and this isn't where it ends. It continues from there. But you see that it's always God taking care of David. You know, it's, it would be a pretty scary thing. It would be a pretty terrifying thing to know anybody was after you. If you heard that Joe Blow that you never met was trying to kill you, that would be pretty disconcerting, wouldn't it? You wouldn't sleep real easy at night. Every time you went anywhere, you'd be looking over your shoulder, wouldn't you? And boy, you'd have the feeling that, man, this is, this is just terrible. But this is not just any old guy. This is the king. This is the king with all of his power. With all of, he's got the whole army at his disposal. He's got all this power. And that's who's after him. And whether people would like it or not, there's not much they could do about it if he did turn around and just kill David. And David's aware of all of this. And yet David, yes, he takes precautions, 
But he's never filled with fear. He's never afraid because he knows that God is on his side. He trusts that God will see him through. And that's the way that we've got to be. You know, thankfully, I don't think any of us have somebody trying to kill him. But we face every day different adversity. We come up against different things. And sometimes those can, can be overwhelming to our minds, although we recognize that it's a light thing compared to what David went through. But God is our Father, and He will care for us, and He will take care of us in every situation, and He will always keep us safe from all harm and cause us to be victorious. God bless. You can't bring me down, the word is on my mind.